0: Hey, let's take a moment to pray. Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands towards heaven? Father, we come before you today. We thank you that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous can run into it, and we're safe. Today, we're covered by your grace. We're covered by your love. We're covered by your mercy. And we know that you have good things in your heart for us so we come with worship we come to tell you we love you we come to honor you in every way in jesus name somebody say amen come on thank the lord let's do it together amen thank you you can be seated Uh, so good to see you guys today is uh the last day of a series of messages that i've been in called sphere theory And I'm going to miss sphere theory. Uh, I'm going to miss talking about it. I'm not going to miss the idea because the idea has been uh, an enormous impact on me personally. And I've been praying this whole time that I've been able to communicate to you guys uh, in a way that you can apply it to your life uh, in a way that it means so much to me. And I hope it means that much to you as well. Uh, This past Wednesday, I mentioned earlier, we had a a mega worship night. It was Ash Wednesday. And I'm not sure if it's because of my uh, Catholic upbringing, because I was uh, was born and raised in New Orleans, which New Orleans is Catholic like Asheville is Baptist. (laughs) So if if you're born in New Orleans, you're most likely born Baptist whether you choose it or not. And kind of that way for Baptists in Asheville. So anyway, uh, but I remember as a little, as a young man, a little boy, really, uh, we used to, we were nominal Catholics, uh, but uh, I remember uh, for Lent, which is Ash Wednesday, uh, all the way up until Easter Sunday, Fat Tuesday, Mardi Gras Day is a day in New Orleans. That's a big party day because the whole, this is, this is the craziness. Uh, the, the party is before you give something up for Lent. And so, so it started out with this crazy party on Mardi Gras Day, Fat Tuesday, and then uh, it. They said then New Orleans likes to party, and so it. Uh, then they said let's let's party Monday and Tuesday, and then it was all of a sudden it became a three-week parades and parties and just going crazy. Uh, but Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent. Lent is a 40-day period where uh, you know, I don't even know why, but as a kid, I would give. Up stuff uh, for Lent because it's just what we did. So I remember as a little boy, I'd give up bubble gum, uh, or I'd give up something, you know, drinking cokes or or whatever. I remember even one one year as a teenager, I, I literally gave up smoking cigarettes. I smoked two packs a day um, as a teenager. That's terrible, isn't it? I mean, I literally, we just light one cigarette off the other all day long, smoking cigarettes, and um, and I remember giving up cigarettes for. for Lent one year, uh, started on Ash Wednesday, forty days, no cigarettes, Easter Sunday lit one up for the glory of God, and I uh, just went right back to smoking. Is that stupid or what? Uh, when you're a teenager you're stupid because there's no adult in here that's stupid, right? Just teenagers so anyway I don't there's some I, uh, many Jesus followers over the years, over the centuries even, have, have kind of chosen Lent as a season to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I can to, to dial down on the flesh. I'm going to dial down on the noise I'm gonna I'm gonna tune in to God in a greater way and so uh, what I'm doing this year for Lent and and this is not a legalism thing at all it's just something for me I'm I'm giving up social media Uh, I'm just off for a while no no Facebook no Twitter no uh, Instagram no nothing and part of it for me personally is to turn down the noise and tune in to God And there's a lot of noise out there. And so I don't know what noise crowds your head but I would always encourage you to to choose particular seasons, and this would be a great season to just turn down the noise and uh, maybe turn off the TV for a while or movies or whatever is you know is the noise for you. But I'm turning, I'm choosing to get off of social media. Part of it is is just to turn down the noise because it's gotten noisy. Uh, it's gotten pretty. It's more political than I care for it to be. Uh, it's it's just it's more just yuck than i care for it to be but also for me uh this is definitely a a season for me to detach from the comparison trap and it's it's just so easy on uh, social media in the age of Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever the newest thing is, uh, that a lot of people, it's sort of a a known concept, an idea, the idea of of FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. Uh, So you're watching people on uh, social media and you're watching maybe the vacation they take or you're watching uh, the house they have or you're watching the fun they're having or you're watching anything that goes on in their world. And it just becomes easier and easier to compare your daily boring life with their highlight reel cuz that's all that's what that's what n- most people post is their highlight reel, right? You know, you, you, take, you take 5, 10, 15 pictures, uh, you pick the one where you look the best. Who cares what anybody else looks like in that picture? Pick the one where you look the best, uh, and then you crop it so that you look just right in it, and then you put a filter on it so that all blemishes are hidden, all wrinkles are gone, and and it makes you want your life to look amazing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. And we all do it. We're all doing it. As a matter of fact, anybody who doesn't do it, anybody who's like posting their, their uh, garbage, we're hiding you. <laughs> Sorry to tell you. But I want to talk about the for a few moments the trap of comparison uh today and uh 2nd corinthians chapter 10 is where we've uh been for quite a while and i want to read a a couple of verses to you and and wrap up on this whole sphere theory idea 2nd corinthians 10 verse 12 for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves well, in other words, when they measure themselves by other people and compare themselves with other people, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we didn't reach to you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ." not boasting beyond our measure that is in other men's labors but with the hope that as your faith grows we shall be within our sphere enlarged even more by you so the big idea in this whole series and in this passage is that paul recognizes there is a sphere the measure of the sphere that god apportioned to him included this church in corinth and, and the, the lesson, the life lesson for us is to recognize that every one of us has a sphere that's been assigned to us a portion to us and i recognize that some things are in my sphere and some things are not in my sphere and i can't take on everything that's in the world but i do have some things that are given to me as an assignment from heaven that that god is looking to me to say i want you to steward this I want you to be responsible for this. I want you to bring heaven into this situation. And Paul is addressing something in this passage that speaks really strongly to the, the comparison trap. And that is this idea that when you know that there are assigned spheres for each one of us, that it's not wisdom to compare your sphere to someone else's fear. Because they have their assignment that has been given to them by heaven, and you have your assignment that's been given to you, and you can't compare what your assignment has been to their assignment. So their assignment might have them living in a lesser world, and you would compare to them, and you would feel superior. You wouldn't tell anybody that, but you would feel like, I'm doing good, I'm doing better than him. I'm doing better than her or you would compare yourself to somebody and you would we'd see that their assignment is a bigger assignment as a larger assignment and the grace of God has given them something that's beyond you and you compare your assignment to their assignment and it's just not wisdom to compare yourself to other people because you have an assignment that God has called you to fulfill and so, here's, uh, here's a couple of uh, verses that I think help us understand. Paul had a, he had, a, had a specific sense of assignment to the church in Corinth, but I, he had this even broader sense, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7. It says, on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, in other words, to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. To the Jews, for He, God, who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised, effectually worked for me in my ministry to the Gentiles. And then, recognizing verse nine, the grace. Everybody say the grace recognizing the grace that had been given to me James and Cephas and John who were reputed to be pillars gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship which is far superior than the right foot of fellowship that's when you get kicked out right gave to me the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they would go to the uncircumcised so SO Paul has this recognition that even though he was raised, and to me, by logic, he would be the best guy to reach out to the Jews because he, he was raised under one of the greatest mentors in the Jewish system of that day. He was profoundly brilliant, could speak many different languages, was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, the guy would have been so qualified. But God puts a grace on Paul to reach to the Gentiles. He puts a grace on rough and tumble Peter, big mouth Peter, big step out, walk on the water, and then sink Peter, uh, deny Jesus Peter, but get back up again Peter. That's the guy assigned to go to the Jews. And Paul recognizes that I've got my assignment and he's got his, and I'm not comparing myself to him. Paul is recognizing that Peter has his grace to reach out to the Jews, but Paul says, I have my grace, and I can tell it's my grace because God is effectually working through me to reach the Gentiles. He he even goes further back and recognizes something in the beginning of Galatians 1, verse 15. It says, when he who set me apart, even... From my mother's womb and called me through his grace he was pleased to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles and I didn't immediately consult with flesh and blood so Paul knew that his calling he was he was conceived in his mother's womb, and wired. We're going to read this in a few moments from Psalm 139. But he knew that his primary sphere, his primary assignment, his primary gift and grace was to reach to the Gentiles. Now, I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't want to create a church full of like overly specialized people, you know. Uh, but but I just want you to know that you got to recognize where your sphere of grace is because the thing that's going to set you free from comparison is recognizing what your grace is and your grace is different than somebody else's grace so so the truth is as a believer we all have the the role as a believer we all give that's what believers do we all serve that's what believers do but some people give because that's literally a gift that God has given to them they have this capacity to make and release money to the kingdom of God to make a difference everybody everybody is called to be a giver but some people have the gift of giving right? We understand that. Some people are, we're all called to serve, but some people serve in unique ways. We're all called to pray, but some people are are gifted to pray. I mean, they're called to pray. They've got a, a grace to pray. We're all called to share our faith, but some people are extraordinarily gifted and have a grace for just sharing their faith with almost anybody anywhere. So I recognize, you know, years ago, I have loved to go to the nations. Now, I want you to understand, I go to the nations because Jesus wants me to. I've never been one of those guys who has gone to another country and said, ooh, I want to move here. That never happens to me. <laughs> never happens to me. I want to I go do what Jesus told me to do in another nation, then I want to come home, I want to sleep in my own bed, I want to drink my own coffee, I want my own wife, I want that's, that's what I want. That's, I, so, like, I am always glad. To come home, you would never hear me say, "Ooh, I wish I could move to England. Oh, I wish I could move to India." You'll never hear me say that—that's for sure. But one thing I realized pretty early on is that that if you were gonna go, to, if we're gonna go to the nations and there was gonna be an evangelistic crusade, I, I'm not your guy. But if you, but if you, but if you got me in a room full of leaders, then I could, I could help. I could do something. I had a friend that uh, I have a friend that uh, was uh, that is in loves to go to remote places, minister where the gospel's never been preached. His name is Bruce McDonald. Some of you that have been around for a long time would remember Bruce, and Bruce was just this crazy kamikaze kind of guy, and um, I rem- he would tell these stories. I mean, one time he was trying to get into China to preach the gospel, and he'd gotten on this bus, and the bus was literally, it was hours, hour long trip, hours-long trip, and he couldn't find a seat anywhere, and people were standing. He just crawled into the luggage rack on the top of a, like a bus, like a, a Greyhound bus, and slept. I, I'm, I want to, I want to, I want to sleep in business class. I, I don't want to sleep on the luggage rack. I'm sorry. I just that and and uh, I would say Bruce, it just had a grace for this kind of stuff. He just loved this kind of stuff. But I promise you, if he came here and started pastoring this church, there would be body parts everywhere <laughs> because. This is not his grace. This is my grace, but it's not his grace. And I'm saying to you that uh, to understand and recognize that all of us have roles as Christians, but some of us really are called to and graced by God to minister to children or to minister in music or or to you know to, to be a, a front door greeter. Some of us are actually friendly. <laughs> if, if you're not friendly, we are not putting you at the front door. Well, look, we love you, but we're going to put you in the back where you can help us. But I, but I think this recognition that, that maybe, maybe God's gifted you to sell things well, but not everybody sells well, right? Maybe God's gifted you to run a business, but not everybody can do that. Uh, maybe god 's gifted you with craftsmanship. You can fix things you can you can make things you can cause it to happen I, I love that gift I think that 's an incredible gift i 'll pay you to do that gift you, you don 't want me touching anything that I touch gets worse and has to be what i 've done has to be fixed in addition to what was wrong in the first place. <laughs> It's just not my grace it's not my gift you know some people are literally they're called by god to be in government and and to 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 bring the kingdom of god to government so what i'm saying to you is to to learn your sphere of grace is a powerful thing god made your life to count for something to make a difference and What Paul recognized is that he had an anointing and he had a grace and it almost came easy to him. When you watch somebody flowing in their grace, it it looks easy because that's their grace. So you watch somebody who sells things well, it looks easy when they do it, but not everybody can do it. You watch people fix things you watch somebody speak you know you watch somebody lead you watch somebody work with kids you watch somebody in a classroom and and, it, and i'm not saying that it's always an easy thing but it looks easy because god's wired you for your calling this is one of my my favorite passages but psalm 139 um says this verse 13 you formed my inward parts you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained of me, when as yet there was not one of them. And what the, the writer of Psalm 139 is telling us is that from your mother's womb you've been wired, you've been gifted, you've been equipped for your sphere. And part of part of part of figuring out your calling is locating your gifting. And when you start to figure out how am I, am I a numbers person? (laughs) Am I a people person? Am I a project person? It, It starts to give you an understanding of what is the sphere that God has assigned to me. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 9, I have lots of verses on this because believe me, this is a, a journey for me, a constant journey for me. I preached a little while back on this concept of head games and this is a head game for me, to, to get my, keep myself on track with my assignment without comparison to other people's assignment. So I got more verses than I could give you today. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9, Paul says, I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul was, in my estimation, the greatest apostle (laughs) that ever lived. And he says, he in some ways goes, i'm the least but i do know this by the grace of god i am what i am i have what i have i do what i do what i can do and his grace toward me did not prove vain i labored or even worked harder than all of them yet it wasn't me working but it was the grace of god with me so god is a portion to each one of us a measure of grace and I'm going to encourage you to live in that grace lane and not compare your lane to someone else's lane each one of us has a grace lane that God has given to us I think comparison is arguing with the grace of God comparison is saying God, I know there's a grace on me to do this, but I would like to have that grace instead of this grace. Come on in. When you, when you have When you have curly hair, you want straight hair. When you have straight hair, you want curly hair. Or maybe not. I mean, you said, I just wish I had hair. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, Jeremiah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey. <laughs> well, how does that, that thing go? God is good. God is fair. Somebody gave brains to others' hair. So there, you got, you got the brains. Some of us still have the hair. Something like that. But I WANT YOU TO GET THIS IDEA BECAUSE I I THINK IT'S it's SUPER IMPORTANT PAUL KNEW HIS GRACE AND HE WAS SECURE IN it. IT HE WASN'T HE'S THINKING I'M THE LEAST OF THE APOSTLES I'M NOT I'M NOT GETTING MY IDENTITY BY COMPARING MYSELF TO THE OTHER APOSTLES I JUST BY THE GRACE OF GOD I AM WHAT I AM AND HE'S RECOGNIZING THAT GRACE God has given him a ministry. God's given him a purpose. God's given him a lane to run in. And he's just working hard at his grace and his lane. And he's recognizing, yeah, there's Peter over there preaching to the Jews. I'd like to be preaching to the Jews, but here's what I know my lane is. I'm preaching to the Gentiles. Galatians 5, verse 26 in the message says this. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other. As, each, as if one of us were better and another worse, we have far more interesting things to do with our lives. Each of us is an original. So you were born an original. You were wired an original. Don't die trying to be a copy of somebody. You, you got you to get... See, that's what the psalmist said. Yeah, I, the, my soul knows this very well, that God needed one of me. That's why he created me. God needed one of you. That's why he created you. Your value as a person is never going to be found, never going to be found in comparing to another person. Your value is actually going to be found in your uniqueness. (laughs) It is the unique thing that you bring to the planet. Comparison is absolutely the worst way to find yourself because you're comparing your grace to somebody else's grace, your assignment to somebody else's assignment, your house to somebody else's house. And God's put you in this world with this unique contribution that only you can give. And if you don't give what you have to give, we miss it. There's no replacement for you. I know sometimes people sit back and they go, well, if only I could this or only I could that. And the truth is, we don't need you to, we need you to be you for the glory of God. The trouble with comparison is it results in either this sense of superiority. You look at somebody else and go, well, at least I'm doing better than them. But often, I think we makes us feel inferior because we're not often comparing to people that are doing less. We're often comparing to people who are doing more. And it makes us feel inferior. And somehow Paul, worked, and I, I just have to imagine that when I see all the verses that Paul has um, concerning comparison, that this was a head game for him too. He is always working the angle in his head to try to figure out how do, how do I keep on track with my assignment from heaven? Nobody can be a better you than you. And if you aren't you, we don't get you. You trying to be me is dumb because you could never be as good a me as me. Not because I'm better, it's because this is just whatever my grace is is what my grace is. Me trying to be you or someone else It's never going to work because I can never be what somebody else could be. Joyce Meyer said this, God will help you be all you can be, but he will never let you be successful at becoming somebody else. I'm going to encourage you to have the courage to be yourself, to love that, to embrace that, to say, this is my life. And I love it. Amen. Amen. I think by having the courage to be yourself, you're putting something incredible and wonderful in the world that was never there before until you had the courage to step out and be you in this world. Galatians 4, 6 rather, says this, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. (laughs) And don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your life. I think this idea of of self-awareness and self-perception is pretty important that you could try to figure yourself out a little bit and figure out. There's all kinds of tests that are out there now, tell you everything about your personality, tell you about your skills, tell you about your gifting. I took a test in college uh, one time as I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life? And and of the top five, three of them were ministry-oriented, so duh. But my first um, uh, thing that came up was to be an interior designer, (laughs) that is funny if my wife were here she would tell you how funny that really is but I think I think make a careful exploration of who you are figure out your gifting because you're wired for your work and I hope we understand this your work is not a job you go to to get a paycheck your work is an expression of the unique set of gifts that god has given you i don't I, mean, I know i know this could be disruptive for for some of us but if i could disrupt you for a moment in a good way a year or two or three down the road you might thank me for this but don't spend your whole life doing something that doesn't suit you, who you are, because you, you, should, you should honestly, I mean, the general tone of your life should not be, oh, no, it's Monday. I'm not saying Mondays are easy, but I, I look at Monday and go, First, I'm just getting over Sunday, but, but I don't look at Monday and go, oh, no. I gotta go to that wicked place again. <laughs> it says, don't compare yourself to others. Don't be impressed with yourself because whatever you have, it's by the grace of God. So don't be impressed with yourself but don't compare yourself either. Don't don't puff yourself up. You I'm just going to remind you, you're not all that great. Come on. It's okay. You're not all that great. But but also don't put yourself down. Right? There are some things that you are good at. Don't compare because every time you compare, you know, somebody's better, somebody's less, and this unique combination of you, you're the only one with your personality. Thank God. You're the only one with, <laughs> with, your, with your talents and your experiences and your grace, and, and it's all unique. It's a unique fingerprint of, of who you are. Uh, when, when people... Began, John the Baptist had a rising ministry, and the people were following after him. And it really, his job was to be the forerunner for Jesus. And when when Jesus started coming on the scene, and John the Baptist, it, popularity started to decrease, and people started coming to John the Baptist and saying, "Everybody's followed after him now." And I love his answer because he got it. He understood, John three twenty seven. He said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given him from heaven. And John recognized that what I had, I had because heaven gave it to me. And now what Jesus has is what heaven has given him. And I'm not going to fight heaven. I'm going to go with the flow of heaven. And come on, you all know, we all know this. Somebody is more popular than you. Somebody is more talented than you. Somebody has more money than you. Somebody's more successful than you. Somebody has a bigger church than me. We finish our prayer season, and we've got 20, 30 people coming to prayer meetings. And I'm like, great. And then I see this guy's post on Instagram, and he's got 1,500 people at his prayer meeting on a Saturday morning. And I'm going, That's why I'm off social media right now, (laughs) trying to cleanse my soul. They have what they have because that's what the grace of God has given them. And you have what you have because that's what the grace of God has given you. So if I could do anything today, I would want to encourage you to embrace your Life, and not wish for somebody else's life because you have a unique lane to run in. Psalm 16, verse 5 and 6 says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot in life. All the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Wow, that's a good thing. This is David who was fought against, betrayed, put into all kinds of bizarre situations, people trying to kill him, people trying to take him down. But somehow there was something in him that just said, you know what? I know what the grace of God has given me. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful. I think expectations that are built on comparison, are not your friend. Your value as a human, your value as a person, as a man, as a woman in this earth is not found in comparing. Your value is found in your uniqueness. And I'm saying this knowing it's, it's, it's a battle in your head to stay on track with this. And I, I want to I say this because I do think it's important. Never let anybody but God define your life. Because everybody has an opinion about what kind of car you should drive or not, what kind of house you should live in, where you should go on vacation or not. And at the end of the day, you got to find your lane and run in it. Because here's what i found. I found this out early in, in pastoring. People would kind of make a noise about the car I was driving. So I'd, I'd buy the car that would make them happy, and then they leave the church three months later. And I'm like, I'm stuck with the darn car that made them happy. <laughs> Give me a break. I wanted to send the payment, the, the bill to them. And that's when I, I begin to realize, I'm gonna do what makes God happy. I, I want everybody around me to be happy, but at the end of the day, i excuse me, I love you, but I could care less what you think. And I want you, I don't mean that in a mean way, but I, I want you to, to, to live in the same way. Find your own grace lane. find your own sphere. Find your own voice. Come listen to Paul Scanlon and find your voice. It it, it will will be worth the investment for you. One last verse, and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and obey and love and believe right there. God, not your marital status, God, not your financial status, God, not your business status, defines your life. If I could get us to embrace our assignment, embrace our anointing, embrace our sphere, and there's a lot of us in this room, we've accepted Jesus, but we've not accepted us. I think the only way to, to actually do this is you. there's some part of your soul that has to go, God, I just trust you with, really trust you with my life. I want to pray with you today. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Father, we're all coming today. There's not a one of us that hasn't compared somewhere, somehow, but I'm praying that there will be a total surrender of our hearts to the goodness of God and the grace of God and the blessing that you've got for our sphere, for our lane. Uh, I'm praying you heal our soul, God, and touch us. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you know that you've not ever really just... Surrendered yourself to God. You've not given your life to Him. I would love to pray with you and let's start that journey. Maybe you're here this morning and you used to be close to the Lord, but you're not now. You know it's time for you to come back and really put your life in the hands of God. Or maybe you feel unsure about where you stand and I want you to have this sense of confidence that. Your life is in the hands of God. So nobody's looking around. It's just a moment to pray together. But if you say, Pastor, I I, I, I want to fully trust my life into Jesus' hands. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Or you know you need to come back. Or you know you, you want to know for sure. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand right now all over this room and say, that's me. God bless you. God bless you. Come on over here. Thanks. Thank you. I I think you know this, but this is not in any way a call for you to get your act together. This is a call for you to surrender, just to give your life to Jesus. Anybody else want to be included in this? We're going to pray together. Let's all pray this together. This is for everyone who lifted their hand. We love you. We're for you. But we're all going to pray it together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I need you, I want you, in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, (laughs) I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. I embrace you today as my Lord. Help me become the person you created me to be, amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Hey, ma'am.